With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER This is KJ Live with Chris Johnson. And Chris is having conversations with influencers in the sports world and entertainment industry. Now here's Chris Johnson. You are now tuned in to KJ Live. Today's guest on the show is a two-time NBA champion for the Boston Celtics. He was named... NBA Finals MVP in 1981. He now works as a radio analyst for those same Celtics. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in NBA legend Cedric Maxwell to the show. What's happening, Max? Well, thank you, man, for having me. You did. You left what that one valuable part that I played with your daddy. That oh. would probably be the bill. That was the. That was like the, at the end of all that playing with the Clippers. I. I enjoyed him. You know, we battled so much when your dad played with the, he was there with Milwaukee. And then yeah. all of a sudden we both got to be a little bit older and we got traded away from our prospective teams and ended up uh, in uh, LA today in LA with the Clippers. And we had so much fun. The only thing I laughed about is I told him, I said, here I was every time they introduced your dad, uh, as the Clippers are about, yeah, Marcus, every time they introduce me, boom, <laughs> go back to Boston, you're a bum, we hate you here. So every city I played in that year, I got booed, except when I came to Boston. It was oh, so that's funny. funny. That's funny. A LA fans, Clipper fans got their nerve trying to boo a Boston guy. They claim to hate the Lakers, so I don't understand how they were booing you, but I guess so, man. I guess that's how it was going down back then in the 80s. Uh, talk to me about, though, Donald Sterling's Clippers, what it was like during that era. My dad's been on the show, man. He's talking about y'all was practicing out, you know, Pomona and staying in Motel 6s. And it was, it, was it really on that level? 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was from the NBA. It was third world. Uh, when you think about playing in the NBA, all the luxuries that kind of go along with it, that uh, for us was, was kind of crazy. But I think we enjoyed it. You know, we had a bunch of veteran guys who came there. All of a sudden, uh, we were we basically surrounded Derek Smith at that time, who was going to be a budding superstar in the league. And and then he got hurt. And the yeah. first, I think, first five games of the season, we weren't the first five games. And, uh, you know, we we're off to a good start. Then everybody got hurt. And you had that Clipper, that Clipper jinx. And yeah. uh, we never we never recovered again. Yeah, but, I remember. Uh, it, it, it was it was fun being out there. It was, it was really different for me because you know, obviously playing in championship games with the Celtics. I remember one one call in particular. I'm playing and 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 the referee something happened and I I got fouled and I was like you know and I looked at him. He's like, you're not with the Celtics anymore. <laughs> you with the Clippers. You're not gonna get. You're not getting that damn call. There's no way you're getting that call. So, so it was really strange, kind of being out there, being in that environment, and trying to understand the nature and how really the game changed from being with the Celtics, a contender, to somebody with the Clippers, who were pretenders at the time. Yeah, and you. I mean, the contrast in the organizations probably was a shell shock for you. I saw that you had moved out to Palace Verdes and and one of the big things for you when you're in LA was the commute the drive I mean two hours to two hours from just talk a little bit about that first kind of year and getting acclimated to the LAC that that was that was really strange we moved uh Don Chaney who was the head coach at that time um he decided he he lived out in Palace Verdes and uh my wife uh used to babysit his kids and they were really good friends and found a great house out in Palace Verdes, but you said the commute, uh, it was essentially, it was going to be maybe about almost an hour going into the sports arena, then an hour back. And like on a game day, essentially it was about four, about a four hour drive on the road. <laughs> and, uh, it was, that was, that was different. But it was one thing about it. I always said after the game, it was peaceful. It gave me a chance to kind of detox yeah. a little bit. Uh, when you play in the game, sometimes when you live really near, you, you're, you're, you know, you're still pumped up. Well, that gave me a chance to really just kind of wrap my mind about, around what happened and detox and get back home. And and there was nothing like living out in Palos Verdes. Yeah. Essentially, I had a house that looked out on the Pacific Ocean and uh, looked out on, uh, I could see uh, Catalina. Uh, yep. So it was, it, was, it was a great place to stay. And it's one of these places I wish I hadn't sold. At that yeah. time, it was a ranch, three bedroom. We got it for $395,000. Mm. And uh, the Pacific Ocean was our backyard. So yeah. now, <laughs> I don't know if it's $3 million or Probably more than that. It uh, yeah, it, it was it was a, at the end of a dead-end street. So it was like we were on the hillside and yeah. there was nothing in front of us. All you could see was the ocean. So oh, yeah. It, it was a great view, yeah, but it was, again, just trying to understand L.A. You know, yeah. And then trying to understand basically like being in L.A., uh, I think the biggest thing was the adjustment uh, to um, being famous or not famous. Because yeah. essentially once you went out to L.A., I remember, you know, back east, I'd go someplace, hey, sit your back, so how you doing? But da, da, da. Got out to L.A., it was like people walking by me like, whoa, wait a minute here, hey. But I learned that everybody was a star in Hollywood. You know, yeah. from the from the person parking the cars to somebody yeah. serving your food, and it was only a few people out there that stopped traffic. And I think Magic was one of them at that time. So it was a, a different environment for me. Yeah, you and you probably were on the minds of a lot of LA fans from your Boston Celtics years. I mean, the the greatest rivalry in sports, in my opinion, Celtics versus Lakers, and you were a part of that, like the core run. Um, during the 80s. But but what I think a lot of people don't realize is before Larry Bird was drafted to the team or the, you know, you were the lead, starting small forward, average 19 a game, Bird comes in. Talk about what it took for you to sacrifice and basically get in where you fit in, if you will, with the Celtics team and or as opposed to kind of, you know, hey man, F this, you know, I, I want to play, you know, I average 19 a game. I deserve this. You know, you had, a, you had enough, you had the opportunity to take that standpoint, uh, Max. Talk about why you decided to work with them. 
Well, I think that you 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 understand what greatness is, and you don't fight city hall. You know, mm. you fit you fit in. Uh, yeah, I averaged uh, nineteen and ten the year before Larry came, and you know, I did think I was a big cheese. And uh, Larry came the first day of practice, and and you know, I'm looking at him, I'm you know, and I'm thinking, and I was a prejudiced black player, so I hadn't seen that many white guys could play. So he walked over to the court, and I remember doing like this. Great white hope. I'm thinking in my mind, okay, it's, this ought to be a layup. And I I knocked down a couple of shots against him. Okay, this is pretty easy. But then he started knocking down a couple of shots to me, on me. And then I get up closer and closer. Man, I'm sweating by the end of the practice, man. He's still draining shots. I'm like, get to the first black person I can see. And I say, you know what? That fucking white guy can play right there. That's That was in my mindset. Yeah. I was like, damn. So I got a chance to see, you know, really greatness in that. And then it was like, you know, at that that point, I understood that my game complemented his game and vice versa. And that, you know, we were, he was an inside, I was an inside player. He was an outside player. You know, I was going to make it easier for him. He was going to make it easier for me. And, um, you know, just trying to you, you use your smarts. And, and I remember Ricky Davis watching him play when LeBron came in. Yeah. You're not gonna you're you're not gonna win that battle, Ricky. Day. I don't care what you do. You're mm. gonna have to work in that environment. And uh, Larry Bird coming in, no, it was his team, you know. And 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 the way they paid him, where he came in, how he was playing. So it was it was an opportunity for me to adjust my game. And I had to adjust my game probably most more than most because not only did we get one white player, you know, Larry Bird, but damn, we get Kevin McHale next. Yeah. And we get Robert Parrish and, and my shots start going down and down and down. But it was all about winning. We had the, I think we had the greatest front line maybe to ever play in the game. And those four and, and us four guys that we had on the floor. And Red Auerbach um, put, created that big four, right? It was a draft. I, I read your, you know, I started off with the forward and Robert Parrish was breaking that down on how you guys got together Um uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for building it. And I don't think that that's that, that, that big four really gets talked about enough in terms of an NBA history and how it was formed and, and, the, and the effect and, and the lasting effect it had on the game, because y'all all was what, six, eight, between six, eight and seven feet. Right. So six, eight, six, 10, six, 10, seven feet. And then Larry at the small forward, but you and Kevin McHale, I mean, you guys were pretty much interchangeable in yeah. a sense. And it seemed like you would pick up, you would take the defensive matchup on the other end. Talk about a little bit about just changing your mindset from a guy that's a 19 and 10 guy, sacrificing your points just to be able to like say, hey, I got I got Bernard King on this series, or I'm picking up Doc in this series, and just just totally, you know, gave it your all on that end. Well, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> that was the big thing. Uh, Bill Fitch walked up to me the first day of practice, said, I scored a couple of baskets. I was laughing about something. He pulled me to the side and said, seem like a pretty smart guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Where's this going? He goes, um, you know, every night you're going to have to guard the toughest guy. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And, you know, I'm, I'm a lover. I'm not a, not a, not a fighter. And, uh, but he made it clear that, look, if somebody has to be sacrificed, you have to if there's some offense that's going to have to be sacrificed. It's going to have to be you. Yeah. And um, no, I didn't. I, I was reluctant. But after a while, I started to embrace it and think, how could we win? What could I do to make this team better? So, yeah, I had to guard guys like your dad, yeah. uh, you know, guard Marcus. And, you yeah. know, you had to guard Bernard King and, and guys like that. And it, it was tough because, you know, on one end, they were trying to guard Larry. And then Larry would score on them. But he and but Larry wouldn't guard them on the other end, so they'd all be pissed off by the time they got back down to the office again, and they want to take it out on me. Like, dude, I, I look, hey, hey, why don't you take it out on? And I remember one time in particular, Larry was standing beside Bernard King, and he said, "Switch, switch." I'm like, "Whoa, no, you, you're standing right there. You good? You you good? You take him for a minute." <laughs> so those were those were you know just times. Uh, we got Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale all in one fatal swoop. Uh, Golden State Warriors, um, that year, they had the third pick in the draft. Celtics had the first pick in the draft. And Golden State came to me and said, what we want to do is we want to 
we're going to give you a you I was a free agent. We're going to give you a big contract. Uh, once you play with Golden State, and we're going to have Robert Parrish, and we're going to get this kid, Mikhail, and that's going to be our front line. I'm like, okay. And then two days later, I see where the Celtics traded their first pick to the Golden State Warriors, and Golden State took Joe Barry Carroll, and we got Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, two Hall wow. of Famers. Wow. One of the, the biggest Move. the biggest lopsided deal maybe to ever and, – and I like Joe Barry Carroll. You know, he was a good player. He was, he was serviceable. He was an all-star, but he wasn't going to be, you know, Hall of Fame material like Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale. So it was a lopsided deal that worked in uh, the favor of the Celtics. After you guys won the title uh, in 81, you had a down year. The next year, I believe you guys got swept by the Bucks. No, don't tell me about your dad. But I had to bring it up because I could, because uh, when, I, when I used to look at that throughout, you know, when I was younger, right? And I'm like, how did this happen? I never understood it. Then I saw a couple of lines in the book where you said the player, you guys basically, or the players were just kind of grown weary of Coach Fitch because of his yeah. hard grinding style. Just talk about that year. Coach Fitch's style and why, you know, that collapse sort of happened. It was a sweep to the Bucks. I mean, unexpected after the championship. Well, I think one of the things that happened was that, like I said, Bill Fitch was, he was a taskmaster. And he, he, he didn't allow us to grow as men. Mm. And because of that, I think there was a rebellion. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Nate Archer, but a lot of people just were, were tired. And yeah. give you an example, like say for instance, if we were at the if we were Madison Square Garden playing a game, Bill Fitch had this rule early on that if we we're at the Garden after the game, team stayed overnight, we would have to go back to the hotel, even if you had friends waiting for you, uh, you know, at the Garden after the game, you had to go back to get on the team, uh -huh. drive all the way back, and then come back if you wanted. And and guys got really you know, worry about that. And, and there were a lot of things and, and Bill just did not let go instead of once you win the championship, you've created, you need to create more of an environment and you grow as a coach and you yes. let your players have more leeway. Well, Bill didn't do that. He yeah. wanted to maintain those same rules and didn't allow us to grow as players. And I think that really took a toll on how we performed and, it just it almost seemed like a mutiny that 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 year that we lost to the Bucks. It's like we were probably a we were a better team, obviously a better team than getting swept. Yeah. But it was just so many guys just seemed to be so pissed off that yeah. we we just didn't play well at all. And that and, and it reflected itself just as far as like effort and lock in as far as what coaches telling y'all and executing game plans. Kind of like man, f this or was it like that type of prevalent attitude? Like f this stuff. We ain't you know. I'm not rolling, coach. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's what, you know, a lot of guys were. It was, yeah. it was the same attitude that they, they felt like it was it, it was just too much for them. And because of that, I think that it made us it, – it, it took us from being a, a, a tight team to a bunch of individuals. And you know in the NBA that you cannot win a series. You can't win if you have an environment where you are splintered. And that's what happened that year. We we were splintered. And uh, because of that, we got swept by the Bucks. And Bill Fitch ends up leaving. And uh, Casey Jones comes in. And Casey Jones takes on the mantle. And, and then we go on to win another championship with the guys we had versus the Lakers. What was the big di biggest difference between K Coach Casey Jones and Coach Bill Fitch? I think that Casey was in the mindset. He, he, he had been a former player. And nothing nothing wrong with, you know, you know, guys who haven't played because Greg, Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches we had. But I think that he had a sense of what we needed and he really let go and he allowed those guys to be individuals. Mm -hmm. And to, and I think they, they, res they played harder for him and respected the fact of what he gave us. And then those players gave it back to him. So I think that's why we won. Oh man. It told, I mean, you could really see the difference. It's just in the years and the, and the level of lock-in and how you guys finished. You guys finished that season with under KC, winning the championship, correct? Uh, mm -hmm. beat, beating the Lakers. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Something I love listening to you uh, talk about and reading about, um, especially when you when you were on uh, Coop's Michael Cooper's podcast. What them dumb fake? You talking about them fakers? <laughs> Straight up fakers, okay? Them damn fakers. You know what? You gonna you gonna make it? You gonna make me keep it real? I hope you got one of them buttons over there. You can get the mix of my words because I, I I've been I've been really loose here, been very solid here. You know, yeah. keeping things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good, man. Talk about, I just want to know where the hate came from. Why? I mean, I know the rivalry. I get it. But what what was it? Was there an inciting incident, Max, that like y'all was like, oh, man, them dudes on the L.A., man, F them, Tragic Johnson, James Worthy. What happened? What was it? That was it. That was it. They were Hollywood. And yeah. we just did not like that. You know, we were the, the we were the hardworking team and they were Hollywood. And magic smiling all the time and shit. That just really irked our players. And yeah, we just didn't, we just didn't like it. And because of that, I mean, we just took it. And I think one of the things you look at most of their players, most of their players on the Lakers were drafted in, and went to college as high prospects. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kareem, one of the all time greats, Magic, mm-hmm. James Worthy, yeah. Cooper, all these guys right now were. And you look at most of the guys who were on the Celtics, Larry Bird went to Indiana State. 
Word. I went to UNC Charlotte. Robert Parrish went to Centenary. Uh, ML Carr went to Guilford. So we had all these guys who have gone to smaller schools. And I think because of that, they felt that much more threatened by, you know, those those big time, big time name players that you played. And damn, you had Pat Riley over there. And that was I just talked to Pat uh, when we played the um, uh, we, we were playing Miami. And I mentioned something to him and had him laughing now because he walked out of the room in the back and uh, Alonzo Mourning walked out first. And Lonzo's frat, you know, I'm an Omega. He walked out first. And I said, what's up, frat? You know, talk to him. And then right after that, here comes out the room. He walks out, Pat Riley. I said, Pat, what's up? He does. He looks at me and goes, hmm. This turns about like, yo, man, come on, man. He said, man, I don't want to talk to you. And I, I told him the story. I said, Pat, you one of my all-time favorite stories was with you. I was, uh, we were playing the uh, Lakers. And there were three guys on the bench over there for the Lakers. One of them was named was Larry Spriggs, I think. I know Spriggs. <laughs> so Spriggs is over there talking a bunch of shit the whole time. Him and his boys, three of them. Maxwell, you ain't shit. You ain't this. You ain't that. I was like, okay, all right. So the ball goes <laughs> out of bounds near Pat Raleigh, and I'm the designated guy taking the ball out of bounds. So the referee is about to hand me the basketball. And I said, I said, hold on a minute. The referee kind of looked at me like, what you talking about? Just hold up a minute. Pat's standing beside me. I said, Pat, now you get your get your button ready here. I said, do me a favor. Put one of them motherfuckers in down there. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, goes, <laughs> Pat goes, you get in the game. <laughs> Spriggs comes in. <laughs> I score on him. And I score a couple baskets. And the Pat takes him out before he goes out. I'm like, the next time. Real people and real players out here working, working hard. Maybe you'll shut your damn mouth and go over there. <laughs> he went over there and sat down and was quiet. Pat Riley said something to me. It was so, so funny. You know, I told him the story. He said, I know Spriggs gave you work over there. I'm like, man, I'm a damn NBA finalist, man. How you gonna have Spriggs go put Larry Spriggs on me? Come on, man. Are you serious? Oh, so, yeah, funny. those were funny moments when I think about you know, the Lakers, who they were. And now I got this big thing going back and forth with uh, James Worthy. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of um, bickering in the, in the news from time to time. And uh, James Worthy is almost like uh, when everybody said anybody except Trump, James Worthy <laughs> is anybody except the Celtics. <laughs> so, so I'm saying... I said to James Worthy, I said, uh, some, I, I think it was um, one of the reporters asked me a question. So what do you, how do you feel about the Lakers? I said, well, I said, you know, right now the way we're playing, I said, you know what? And James, this is James Worthy. I said, uh, you know, when we win the championship this year, I wish you, they always said we're tied together. I said, tell me how my ass smells as I passed by. <laughs> it was gross. And James Worthy said, damn, that was, he said, that was, and, and James Worthy said, well, at least he could get some original, some something he could say original. I'm like, you can't say nothing no more original than nah. that. The out of my ass smell is I'm passing by you. But, it don't get uh, no real. It don't get no yeah, real so, that, bro. So they showed James Worthy, I guess, after the, um, after Golden State beat us. You see James Worthy has a picture of James Worthy, and he is, he's mocking the Celtics by doing the same thing that uh, Steph Curry did and said, oh, good night, Celtics. <laughs> come on, come on. I was like, and that's anybody except the Celtics. And, you know, it just doesn't want, so we keep going back and forth. And, but, you know, uh, he told me one of the most interesting stories. He said, Max, I really liked you. I really love cornbread. He said, I was in college. You know, you were in college at UNC Charlotte. He was from Gastonia, which mm -hmm. is about 20 miles away. Mm -hmm. And we were playing that night. We were playing Robert Parrish sitting there at university. And that was a big, we were the, the two top independents. And said, me and Robert Parrish are going. He said, man, you don't know. I was in the front row of that game watching you guys. He said, mm. I love watching you play. So it, it was just kind of strange for him to say something that was actually positive, you know, when it came yeah. to me or about the Celtics. But, you know, he... I, I like you. Actually, I like James Worthy. You know, he's one of the greatest players ever to play the game. I wouldn't say that out loud to him or anybody else. I know I'm on your podcast, but 
you know, that that's that's just the truth. They had a great team. Kareem was my favorite player of all time. I wore number 33 in college because, and I told this to Kareem, I said, you were my favorite player ever. Mm. Mm. And so I wore number 33 in college. And when I got to the Celtics, I wanted 33. But there was a guy, Steve Gaversky, who wore the number. And then they gave me 30. And then it's, he cut, he got cut. But I was like, they said, you want to change numbers? Like, no, no. Yeah. Later on, what happens? Larry Bird comes in and gets 33. So I probably would have had to change that number anyway. I noticed you you wore several different numbers during your NBA career, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Was there any rhyme? I mean, I know the obvious with Kareem and then Bird, but what about the other numbers? Was there any rhyme or reason behind that? Or you like the numbers? No, when I was with um, the Celtics, I wore number 30. That's the first number they gave me. And then ML Carr. We got him um, as a free agent, and he wore number 30 and asked me, could he have that number? And I'm like, man, I was just happy to have a number. So he gave me 31, and, uh, you know, I ended up make, taking that to the rafters and all that. But then yeah. I went to the Clippers. I think I wore it's either 19, or, and then I think my last year with the Rockets, I wore 18. And there, there was no rhyme or reason. A jersey was a jersey to me back then, and just to have one on your back was cool. yeah. In 84, you you um you guys won a title. Then I think you got hurt and got traded in the same mm-hmm. year. Talk a little bit about and it was a little controversial exit. Um yeah. I kind of wanted to hear for, in your words what happened with that scenario as far as you being traded and the way you exited Boston. Um in 1984, won the championship, uh seventh game here in Boston, uh 24, 8 and 8. I had in that final game against your guy James Worthy when points were points were premium at that time For sure. and ended up uh, winning the game, leading the team in scoring, led them in I think assists in that game. So it was a big time thing for me. It, it was even you know for me, although I was the Finals MVP in '81, that was just that was just as good if not better beating the Lakers in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very next year after we win the championship, I came back and I had a meniscus tear in my knee and um, couldn't in the middle of the season and couldn't come back. And uh, Kevin McHale started and he had a game of 56 points. And I knew that was the last game that I was going to be starting with the Celtics. And uh, they were looking to trade me. And the only thing about it, I was just upset because I just wanted them to wish me the same kind of luck. We had one two championships together. I had done so many things for this team. And at the end of the day, they, they, to leave in that manner, like, you know, like I was a bad guy. And it's really always strange because, you know, the year, the next year, 85, when I couldn't come back, I was the person that they blamed essentially for losing the championship because I couldn't come back mm. uh, from an injury. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, how good was I if you had Robert Paris, if you had Kevin McHale, if you had Larry Bird, and you have Dennis Johnson, you had four Hall of Famers. But you blame me for, you know, losing the championship. So it it told me my value to the team. So when I finally left, I just said it was uh, it was some it was animosity. Uh, I just wanted to leave and I just wanted them to wish me luck. And and they traded me for Bill Walton. And uh, Bill came in and played for a year. They won the championship the next year. And I went to the Clippers and you know, I was I was I was happy about leaving. I was stupid about leaving, though, because I left a lot of money on the table. Um, you know, the money I would have got, uh, you know, by being with the Celtics that year. Uh, my shoe deal essentially was, you know, went from one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year from Pony to uh, almost having to buy some damn shoes. <laughs> when I went to flip. So it was yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. was. Just, it was just kind of strange, but uh, but I, I just left in haste because I was just very, I was just pissed off at the organization because um, I guess my, um, they the, the box that they checked to me was my credibility and uh, who I was as a person. Hmm. You never checked that during the times we won. So when I got hurt, how can you check? And that's why I'm very seldom I'm ever, ever going to hear me say anything about a player being hurt and questioning what he can do because the player is the only one that knows his body. Yeah. You know, they could say you're ready and do all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, it's the player that's going to make that decision. And, 
And that's what, you know, really pissed me off about that when I left the club and went to the Clippers. Yeah, and uh, these stories that you're talking about and a bunch of other good stuff are all in your book, If These Walls Could Talk, which you dropped in December, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and uh, talk about the timing of the book. Um, what sort of inspired you to write it uh, and to address some of this stuff and to, and, to, and to really share a lot of untold, absolutely hilarious stories about your time? in the league? Well, I mean, it was, it just seemed like it was time to me. I, I remember having a bunch of stories. And I'm always doing public speaking and somebody right. came to me and said, yeah, man, I need you to talk about, you know, this and that and what happened. I said, and then somebody approached me about writing the book. And one of the stories, which, you know, I love and that you probably want was the, the story with your dad. Uh, you know, me and Marcus and, and uh, Franklin Edwards were playing, we mean, Franklin Edwards were playing pool in Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> and your dad, your dad walks in and, you know, he's like, yeah, I can shoot. I can shoot. So me and Frank were shooting and, you know, we're relatively quiet. So your dad comes in and he's still shooting, knocking down balls. And I said, Frank, Franklin, I said, you know, let me test Marcus right here. Let me see. And I start yelling. I said, you know, while he's trying to shoot, I said, oh, and he loved this. I said, you can't play that nigga pool, can you? You play that, you playing that, uh, UCLA, you know, quiet. Everybody has to be wine and cheese. The wine and cheese crowd. Oh yeah, you you hear the cheese crowd, the wine crowd. I start yelling at him, man. That brother couldn't make a ball. <laughs> but your dad told that, and I forgot about the story. But the author went and told your dad about, asked your dad about, you know, when I played with the Clippers, and he remind he told the story, and the author was telling the story, and then. We're about to put it in the book. And then that the author, that the book, people are so politically correct now. Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, we can't use that word, uh, nigga pool. We can't use that. I said, I said, well, what word are you going to use? Well, how about we use African-American? I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I, don't think that was gonna, I don't think that was going to scare my man at all. So, no, we, I said, i tell you what we can do. You can use N I G and you know let somebody's yeah. imagination go. For sure. But for we sure. were we we're not taking that word. That that was that was the crux of it. And your dad was so funny when he told that story. And uh when the guy told me about it, uh, what Marcus had said, he said I was intelligent, I was in fun, I was funny, I was a great player, and it was it, it really was a build-up. But then when he told me the story about the pool game that I forgot. I was like, damn, that's right. We did have Marcus Johnson there playing pool. And he was so funny because he got, he just got rattled. Yeah. Your dad, your All dad, day. You, know, you know, your dad is cool, calm, and collected. He, he might be one of the coolest dudes with, you know, I'm not sure there's, there's Denzel and Denzel's your dad. Your dad's up there someplace. How cool he is. But when he heard me talking about that, yelling at to the top of my lungs, Oh, you can't play that nigga pool when I'm yelling that you can't, you can't play that because, and he just bust out. So that was a great story that I think that we had in the book. And there were many stories that I ended up putting in the book that were really good. One of the most fascinating ones I think was talking to my, um, uh, the guy asked me about my family initially. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. man, what a great story. I ended up doing, um, a girl that I had, that I had been with in college mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Yeah. Just sent me uh sent me a letter, uh, a text message saying, well, 40 years ago, I wrote you a letter and I told you I had your daughter. That that woman has now found me. And um, I told her you were her dad. And I didn't think that was possible because, you know, I knew who this woman was and what was going on in life. So I ended up, I ended up taking the paternity test. Paternity test came back 0.0.0. So I told her, she's like, oh, no, it's not true. You know it was true. You know, you know, I was just the best candidate. Yeah. So anyway, I'm telling my, I'm talking to my sister, Lisa. Uh-huh. And I said, Lisa, I just want to let you know, I took a paternity test. And without missing a beat, my sister said, oh, so you can find out who your real father is? I'm like, ooh. No, that's, that's another can of, that's another can yeah. of worms. Yeah, that was what I was talking about. And uh, it made me made me go into the process now of going back and found out uh, I was not, I was not set, born Cedric Maxwell. I was Cedric Folks. Oh. That's who I was. I was born uh, out of wedlock. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad uh, was uh, the Ford Small, and uh, my mom just kind of glossed over, it, and she ended up marrying Manny Maxwell, who was in the military. Wow. And uh, Manny took us, took me around the world, took me Hawaii, all over the places, places he was stationed, and gave me his name. And but they never told me until I did not officially hear it until I was about sixty years old that my my cousin who was ten years older than me and. 10 years younger than my mom, finally said, yeah, I remember you. I remember with your little snotty nose. You were Cedric Folks at the time. And that's the first time I ever heard that my name was different. Found out that I had a brother who was also 6'8", who played Furman. So my life has really been a a, a kaleidoscope here, I say, in the last five or six years. That's deep. What is it like? I, I wanted to ask you this specifically. What is it like growing up? having grown up in Kinston, North Carolina, we have a couple of NBA players, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Brandon Ingram. What's in the water down there? And what, what was life like growing up in the area that you did in Kinston, North Carolina? Well, I think that's really strange because you say that and there were, there were, they say that, you know, they, they got an Emmy for it. There was a, uh, they did a documentary on um, there's something in the water, the uh, story about Kinston, North Carolina. And they got an Emmy for it. That's wild. And, uh, it was myself. And, and per capita, Kinston, North Carolina has had more professional basketball players and even players around that uh, than any other place maybe in the world. I mean, mm. the place only has about 30,000 or 25,000 people now. Mm. Uh, for the last, I'd say the last 40 years, it has always had somebody in the NBA, if not one, if not two. I mean, um, uh, Bullock, who played with Dallas, he's yeah. actually he's actually from Kinston. Jerry Stackhouse yeah. was uh, from Kinston. Brandon Ingram's from Kinston. Uh, Charles Shackelford, who played in the league for a oh, while, is, is from Kinston. Okay. Uh, Mitchell Wiggins, who is right outside of Kinston, uh, you know. So there are so many players that played during the era, and it's just it's a hotbed of basketball. Essentially, that's what we did. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we play ball all the time. And that was a way to get out. I was mm-hmm. the first one that, you know, got out, went to UNC Charlotte and then eventually made it to the Celtics. And then after that, the preceding years, we've always had a player uh, that's come out of Kinston that's played major college basketball and it eventually got itself into the pros. Very dope. Very dope area of the country. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot, 
The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Um, fast forwarding really quickly to the contemporary times, today's game. Mm-hmm. Um, you you recently and the reason <laughs> it's funny how you came up because I was showing my dad the video of uh, <laughs> when G- UGP and Draymond. Draymond, hey, and you you went on the mic, hey, because I I told you because I said I wanted to, and then you walked away. So I showed my dad that he was like, let me hit him up, man, get him on your podcast. But I wanted to just talk to you about the 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 core of those comments that Draymond made kind of in a larger scale, talking about today's game and the physicality of today's game and why today's player like a Draymond green has this misperception that you wouldn't, you wasn't about that action back in the day. You know, as I told him, my brother asked his daddy, because daddy probably saw me play. Um, Draymond green is, is a, is a, a the central part of what they do in golden state. Yeah. And there are times when he is more of an irritant, yeah. uh, you know, and he was, Celtics won the first game. In the second game, he was just playing bully ball. Yeah. He was knocking guys down, tackling. Oh, yeah. Falling on people, falling on people. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> falling on them. It's like, and then when I saw Gary Payton later on, and I just walked up to Gary and I said, Gary, let me say something just about your boy, uh, you know. And he said, what? I said, let me just say, in Draymond Green, during the 80s, he'd been knocked the fuck out. That's what would have happened. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know it was be well, I kind of knew it was on, but I thought they were gonna beep it out mm-hmm. when I said. And I guess it got back to Draymond and Draymond took offense. Cedric Maxwell said they would knock me out and da 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 da. No, they would punch me in the mouth and he 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 was talking about, but I've polled almost every player that I played with in the 80s. I could ask your dad right now with the stuff that happened that Draymond Green did. It's not like a, it, these are just facts, bro. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm not hating on him. Mm-hmm. These just facts the matter that I know. He, and he mentioned, he said, well, maybe Bill Lambeer would have knocked me out. No, Bill Lambeer got blasted in Boston Garden by Robert Parrish. And then he said, the one thing he said, well, you just act like people in the 80s were going around punching people. Well, they were. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it was. And, and I did a show with Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. And um, I said, I'm looking at Isaiah I said, and I went and I told him later on, I said, how do you think you got them stitches across your eye right there? That was that Carl Malone elbow. And it was for no reason other than you were coming to the basket and Carl Malone took you out. Did they throw Carl Malone out that game? Probably didn't. Probably gave him a technical and you you move on. But that's the way the game was played. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to offend him. I was just stating a fact of how the game was played. And I said it. During the 80s, this what would have happened. And then later on, Draymond came back at me, and he was like, I was talking to Gary Payton maybe two days after that, and Draymond made it a point of coming over and getting in our conversation. I was yeah. walking out, and I'm talking to Gary, and Draymond walks over and says, you're going to be talking to, to Gary Payton. You're going to be talking to people right now who be talking about me. You're going to be saying that. You know, you protect me, GP. You protect me. 
and GP looking like, dude, you need to be protected. Like, and I'm like, and then at that point, I said, Draymond, I'm standing right here. You need to talk to me. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you. And then I just, I, I walk out and I, this is what I said. The guy's my witness. Your dad would love this. Cause I said, you know what? I said, Gary, I said, let me get the fuck out of here right now before something happened. <laughs> he going to still make 30 million. I ain't making that kind of money. So I said, I got to protect myself on the backside and, and walked out and Draymond and now later on, he came out kind of right after me and we talked for a minute. I said, Draymond, I'm not hating on you. He said, well, be a man of your word. Be a man of your word. You, you said that you said that somebody was going to punch me in the mouth. That ain't what I said. I said somebody in the 80s would knock you the fuck out. That's what, that's what I said, but I didn't want to inflame it anymore. I said, I am a man by my word. And finally, at the end of it, I said, look, I happen to like you. <laughs> I like what you did. But, you know, are we good? And we shook hands and we walked off. But, you know, he he's talked about it. and People talked about it. Matter of fact, that he loved it. I think it was on uh, YouTube. It had uh, almost two million view, <laughs> views when it came to that one. Yeah. I, I wasn't meaning anything by it, but it just happened. Yeah, I thought, you know, it, I get into it all the time with, with folks on Twitter and just in the arguments, the younger generation, when they talk about the 80s and they call the players from the 80s plumbers and repairmen and they just disrespect. Like, it's one thing to say things about who you think is better or who was nice and who ain't. But then when you start universally disrespecting a whole generation of basketball players that basically set the tone and foundation for what's going on in today's NBA, that's where I take umbrage. Well, see, that's what, and that's the one thing I did say to Draymond. Draymond said, um, he said that, you know, during the 80s, if you got kicked out of a game, you'd only had, you'd only been fined about $2. Well, that, that's, a, that's a mockery. I said, you don't say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I'll say it even now, I said, for Draymond Green to say that, that was offensive to anybody I played with and anybody around me during that time. And I said, because he makes he made that he makes that thirty million dollars a year because he was he got on my shoulders and everybody around me like the people I stepped on their shoulders so it was disrespectful. The last one I made to him or anybody who wanted to hear it, I said, "There's only been thirty two, now maybe thirty three guys who have been finals MVP, and damn it, I'm one of them. So I, I, ain't, I I'm not one of these these flies that you're going well." Like he'll talk to Charles Barkley. You you ain't won nothing. You ain't did nothing, nothing. Well, you can't say that to me when it comes to, to my game. He did say something like, well, the guys during the 80s, they would have had to increase their skill level. Well, their skill levels were really good. You probably would have had to increase your skill level to play with all the hand checking. Mm -hmm. Steph, as great as he is, during the 80s, I think maybe because it's been slowed down just a little bit because people have been able to put hands on him and, and, and kind of push him away. Right now, you can't touch guys. Because you can't touch guys, the way he shoots the basketball, almost impossible to guard. Yeah. Is there, if there's a player that you could compare Steph Curry to from your era or before that era, maybe in the ABA days when they had a three-pointer, I don't know, maybe there's a guy that just – the jumper and the ability just to move so well without the ball and then go off the bounce. Do, have you seen anything like it, Max, before? Only guy I know that maybe shot like that was Freddie Downtown Brown, who would come off these picks and long distance, knocking down jump shots, move well without the basketball, but but there's nobody really like Steph. And, and the thing that I, I admire about him, I say only, you know his greatness is when you think about Steph Curry, only two guys that I know have changed the game and the game had to be changed to, you know, kind of fit them, fit them in. One of them was Will Chamberlain. They changed the rules. He couldn't be in the lane. They made the lanes bigger. They did this. The other one is Steph Curry with his ability to knock down trays. And you see guys right now, you, you've been around ball enough that you, you, you have an understanding that guys who can't even fucking shoot now, that's the first thing they do run out to the three point line. So they can get one of these sides and all this stuff when they shoot threes. It's not yeah. it. Steph Curry is, is a unique individual and he has broadened the game out in a way that I can't even imagine. I only hardly understand the game anymore. Your dad, a lot of people in, in the eighties don't understand the game anymore because instead of taking a layup, 
you're right under the basket. You fling the ball out to a two or three point shoot. And I mean, I'd rather just give me a solid two sometimes than looking for a three. But uh, the game has changed in that way. I understand it. I'm not hating on it, but I do understand this change. But I, in some ways, I don't know if it's changed for the for the better because nobody is like Steph Curry shooting the basketball. Yeah. And, w- and when we say like the game has changed for the better or for the worse, I think the game now, the emphasis is more about basketball entertainment. It's more about the marketing aspect. It's more about preserving guys, keeping guys healthy, making mm-hmm. sure that the stars are able to play these dates. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because it, so it's less about, I, look, the emphasis on competition. Sure. These guys are fighting for the championships that they win. They earn this stuff. They're busting their butt, but the league as a whole, it seems like the emphasis has changed. If you remember early in the season, Marcus Smart dove on the ball, playing against the Warriors. Marcus Smart dove. Steph Curry kind of didn't dive. And then Steph gets hurt. But everybody's just calling Marcus Smart a dirty player, basically for playing hard. Talk about, though, just this I this basketball entertainment aspect, Max. Do you understand it? Like like the, the globalization of the game that started with David Stern and incorporating all the Europeans in. And now you have a game that's played at a fast pace, a lot of threes, very little uh, physicality on the inside. Just talk a little bit about that evolution and and why would it be bad? for basketball like why isn't this great for the game without any type of pushback well i think because you said entertainment the, the aesthetics of shooting the threes now are the, the the actions that go along with it um you know the bang you get for your buck when steph curry comes down and steps back behind the line and people get a chance to you know the gasp and you know when that ball goes in uh the game has changed and said then they're trying to preserve that uh, you know, you see the longevity of a guy's career now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see LeBron James getting up to 20, 20 years and still dropping, you know, almost 30 points a game, you know, that that was unheard of. Mm-hmm. Our team. When me and your father played, it was like if you got 10 years in the league plus, you would, that was a great career. Now, essentially, you're in your prime because the physicality isn't there and the, the workload isn't there. Uh, the fact that right now teams are teams really um, they they baby their players and and to in a good way and the fact that they have you know training res- regiments are better food is better uh, you know during our time we flew commercial uh, so and we stayed at at horrible hotels that I can't believe there's a hotel right now that's still out there in L.A. that we used to stay at that was the Marriott. Airport Marriott. That place is still out there. Essentially, what would happen, you would come, we would play Seattle. Yeah. uh, And then fly into LA, playing playing on the next day. You get to LA, uh, you get to the hotel, and they tell you, your room ain't ready. It's like one of them, like, really? We're an NBA team. Our room? No, your room's not ready. It won't be ready until two o'clock, till people check out. Whereas now, you go to the Ritz Carlton, you go to the Four Seasons, your room is always ready. And the just the, the lifestyle of the players lying on their own plane it is, is different. Obviously, the money is different. It's just so many things that are different about the game. But one thing you do realize that the game is one thing about it is about putting the ball in the hole and about mm. the fit. And that will that probably will never change. Yeah, no, it won't. Man, I'd like to finish up just talking about these Celtics, uh, this year's team a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and just what from your vantage point, because I, I as I, you know, obviously when it started to where it's come, unbelievable evolution, unbelievable improvement on this team. Ime uh, has just totally just grabbed a hold of the reins and really put his imprint on, on the identity of this crew. But I think one of the things that stood out for me and you can chime in on this Without a traditional PG moving forward, is this can the Celtics get over the hump without having that type of um, traditional point guard? Yeah, I think they can. I think the game has changed so much. And think about um, you know uh, all the guys you talked about who are playing right now, and you you look at them, you go on. The game is more about a defensive pressure. If you're talking about staying out on on the paint. Um, I look at the Celtic team right now. Uh, I'm excited because they're young. You got Jalen Brown, who's on the contract. You got Tatum, who's on the contract. Marcus, uh, Rob Williams. So the, the core unit of guys are better. 
but they're going to have to add some more pieces uh, to compete. Now, you say that and you're looking, you're going, you, they were only two games away from winning the world championship. They were essentially a quarter away from, you know, maybe a couple of minutes away from being up 3-1 against Golden State in the, in the uh, I want to say it was the fourth game here in Boston. So I don't think you're going to really, you, you don't want to mess it up, but you look at the league, the league is always changing. It's always evolving. Uh, where will Kyrie Irving, where will he end up at? Uh, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a huge question. I heard people say this today and I, man, that would be fascinating. Somebody said, well, maybe something might be able to get Kyle Kuzma uh, from uh, Washington, because I think what they need is another score. And mm-hmm. one thing you saw with the Celtics, their bench really kind of let them down in the, uh, in the finals. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Poole consistently outscored the Celtic bench. Yeah. Uh, Grant Williams, who had been really, who had played really well, uh, did not have a good finals. Uh, you know, Pritchard did not have a good finals. Uh, I think you look at um, Derek White, who had a great game one and, and a game two. But after that, he kind of fell off the, the slide. So the Celtics need uh, need more. Uh, but you got one of the five best players in the league when you're talking about uh, Tatum. Uh, and Brown isn't far behind him. Uh, you have a great coach, you have a great system, you have a great organization, but, you know, you're always going to have to tweak it a little bit and uh, fine tune this thing. If you're going to win a, win the championship, because obviously, you know, it's not promised. I always tell the story about Dan Marino, the great football player, how he went to the Super Bowl. Maybe it was second, first or second year uh, playing in the NFL and uh, like <laughs> he never made it back again. Mm-hmm. And those things happen. And, you know, maybe maybe those I don't think that's going to happen to the Celtics, but I think they're going to have, have to tweak their um, their team some to find some uh, other guys who are going to be able to score the basketball. thing I love about the Warriors just watching the way they move the ball, man. Yeah. You know, that that was that was amazing to yeah. me to watch them come off those picks. And, you know, the ball never stopped. And with the Celtics. Several times, uh, Jason Tatum was in a, a predicament where he had the ball, and and that was one that was the Achilles heel. Jason Tatum in a um, in in the playoffs this year uh, broke a record. Uh, he had a hundred turnovers. Yeah, a hundred turnovers for one person. That's a lot of turnovers when you think about. You know, you played. I think he played fourteen, twenty, twenty-four games. So. Mm. You do the math. Well, I'm like, well, how much is that? Is that about five? That's about four, four turnovers a game. Yeah, five turnovers a game, and you you can, you're not going to win. You know, at, at that pace if you turn over. So he has to get better at that position. Yeah, but but I definitely feel like he's gonna he's definitely a top five player, and he's gonna end up being you know one of these guys that we're gonna you know talk about and hold in high esteem as far as in the history of the league. I haven't seen a young guy. I love his poise. Um, that's that's the one thing I've always said. And he's fearless to me. I mean, sure, he played bad and uh, he turned it over, but, you know, it, it wasn't for a lack of effort or it wasn't for a lack of trying. Um, man, Max, this conversation has been awesome, my man. I, I truly appreciate you coming through. Um, the book is out. If these walls could talk and you you're still on Celtics broadcast, right? The radio. Yeah, I've been I've been broadcasting for the Celtics. This is my. 26 years doing radio for the Celtics. So I've been around a long time to see a lot of different things happen. And I think probably losing to the Golden State Warriors and and to um, uh, Steph watching what he did and Draymond watching what he did probably was one of the most disappointing times that I think I've been around. Yeah. Well, brother, I appreciate you and uh, good luck moving forward. Let everybody out there go buy the book. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Ladies and gentlemen, Cedric Maxwell. All right, my brother. Thanks for having me. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.